1: Uh, This is uh, Al Fadi, and you're listening to Let Us Reason on KPXQ 1360. Thank you so much for um, joining us today. And as always, it's a pleasure to uh, interact with you. You can always go and visit our website, CIRA International, C-I-R-A, C as in cat, or C as in Charlie, I-R as in Romeo, A as in Apple. Sira international.com and in there we have a section for Let Us Reason where you can listen to all of the archive show but we have also videos uh, seminars um, and soon we're going to have a blog so uh, hopefully uh, you can uh, interact with us um, uh, you can also visit my uh, Facebook uh, Al Fadi uh, or even uh, the other Facebook page uh, Sira International you can also email me directly at Al Fadi at Sira International.com or at Sira internet or at Sira Ministries at gmail.com. So there are so many ways you can interact with us. Nevertheless, uh, last week we were talking about the Quran and some of the serious issues in recent discoveries uh, related to the manuscripts of the Quran, and we were saying that um, historically speaking, uh, Muslims believe that the Quran is preserved word is the preserved word of God that no one have. Uh, basically tampered with that the words you read today in today's standard Quran, known as the Cairo Quran, that was put together in 1924, no one basically uh, will find any variations between this standard Quran of today and any of the previous early manuscript discoveries. However, in 1972, a discovery that was made... um, uh, basically, uh, this discovery was made by a German scholar in Sana'a, Yemen, uh, in 1972. During the remodel or renovation of the Great Mosque in there, they came across about 12,000 parishments that has Quranic manuscripts in it, and they began to uncover some problems and variations uh, in those, uh, basically, manuscripts as compared to the present one, one of the most significant discoveries is what we know as the palm cyst, um, meaning someone wrote an earlier version of the Quran and then erased it and wrote another one on top of it. The problem is the dating of these manuscripts of the uh, Sanaa manuscript, or the one that was discovered in Yemen in 1972, takes it all the way back close to the time of the Prophet, early 7th century. Uh, or mid seventh century, which means that it would have been so close to time of the prophet. Why would anyone change and modify things? Because when they used science and X-ray, they were able to read the portion that was removed, and they discovered some changes between that portion that was removed and the one that was written on top of it. And also, in addition to that, the one that was removed has also variations between it and the current Qur'an, and the one that was written on top of it has also variation between it and the current Qur'an. In other words, you have almost like four different Qur'ans, technically speaking. The current Qur'an, basically, and then you have the uh, earlier Qur'an and then has some corrections in it, and then you have the later Qur'an that was written on top of it also has some corrections made in it. So you have a number of uh, Qur'ans now that you have to deal with just from one discovery. Alone, And that's, of course, very damaging. Now, to just give you some idea about some of those kind of changes now, uh, if you uh, someone who read the Arabic, uh, those kind of variations between this Yemen manuscript and what we know as the standard manuscript or the Cairo manuscript, meaning today's manuscript, can be really damaging. Because it seemed like somebody took the time to add things that were not there and um, uh, made basically some changes that um, could actually tip the scale. Uh, Example, for instance, uh, in um, chapter 2 of the Quran, verse 213, uh, there is a verse in there in the current Quran that says, "Let uh, let him... Basically, speaking of somebody, let him judge between the people. In the original copy of the Yemen manuscript, it says, let them judge between the people. So, the original language has to do with the plural. The current language has to do with the singular. So, we have a change now in uh, the, uh, uh, the, the noun, basically. Uh, whether it was a plural noun or a singular, uh, basically, uh, and also a change uh, in the theology behind this. Uh, Who is it that ought to judge? Is it a single person or multiple people? Also, um, another example, uh, for instance, in chapter 2, verse 217, it talks about um a command to uh, protect the people against attacks and uh, against the attack, uh, ag- uh, an attack, I should say, against God and his way. But um, it's it's also talking about um, uh, people basically um, describing him, that if they walk away from the message of Islam and the message of the Prophet, that it's considered to be walking away from the way of God. Okay, now that's an early Quran. It says it's walking away from the way of God if you refuse to follow the Prophet. In the current Quran, it says you're walking away from the way of God and you are becoming an infidel also. Well, uh, this is kind of a judgment now. You're calling somebody to be infidel, and uh, this is, by the way, a very dangerous word because if you look at the use of that word now, this opens the door now for people who are jihadis to look at and say, okay, if you qualify for this, then the Quran also says that I get to come after you, terrorize you, and kill you, and do so many other things to you. So it seems like there has been some changes in the theologies as well by the addition of certain phrases. Whether it was revealed that way or not, uh, one must ask a question. How would the 1924 Quran in Cairo know that these words should have been there uh, almost uh, uh, about uh, 1,300 years later? Because we have something that is earlier than that, that is dates all the way back to the time of the Prophet that didn't have the word, uh, and you become infidels. Uh, so this is why it's uh, very dangerous uh, to at least, um, uh, look at those kind of changes. Uh, I'm, I'm looking also at a list here to try to uh, find something in there. Uh, uh, here, uh, th- there is uh, another example. Uh, one of those chapter, chapter 9 of the Quran, verse 129, it talks about a, a group of people that will walk away. Okay? Now, in the original Quran, it says walking away from you, okay, as one person. In the current Quran, it's just as if they walk away. So it's open-ended now, walking away from a person, walking away from a a law, walking away from a revelation, walking away from God, walking away from uh, a leader. Uh, It's definitely more flexible now than it was specific before. Um, Here is um, another example Um, in uh, chapter 19 of the Quran, which is known as the chapter of Mary or Miriam, verse 12. It's talking about John the Baptist. In the original copy of uh, the Yemen manuscript, it says that God taught him uh, wisdom. And um, in the current reading, it says God gave him wisdom. Well, I know you're going to say, well, we're picking and choosing here. Well, it's important when Muslims claim that the Quran was never changed, that what you read today is exactly how it was revealed uh, in the past and during the time of the prophet. But at the same time, it's a a world of difference between God teaching somebody and God giving somebody the ability to be wise. Uh, I mean, it's one thing to say that God himself taught him. It's another to say that God enabled him uh, to do so. Uh, So uh, those are major theologies that are missing Uh, basically, from these copies. And um, other things about the Qur'an, of course. Um, When you begin to study the history of the compilation of the Qur'an, you begin to discover that, really, the Qur'an um, is not put together in order uh, that is fixed. For instance, the manuscripts that were discovered in Yemen do not have the exact same order of chapters, uh, some Muslims are fixated on the idea that they, the way the Qur'an is put together is exactly how it was put together by the Prophet and approved by the Prophet himself. If that's the case, then the current Qur'an violated that because the Sana'a Qur'an, which supposedly was close to the time of the Prophet, doesn't have the exact same order. So someone took the liberty to try to change the order. When you change order, of course, of things, that means the chronology now is uh, basically switched around. And therefore, it doesn't make sense to read something that is out of order anymore. Compare that to the Bible, for instance, when you start reading from Genesis. Make your way all the way through the Old Testament. There is a storyline that you can depict, basically, and you can understand what's going on. And it brings you back sometimes to certain events that happened in the past. But when you read the Quran, it's kind of difficult, really, uh, to be able to understand what's going on. It is another dangerous thing. That is found also in the Quran that can justify sometimes making changes in um, judgments or changes of interpretation or changes of rulings. is known as the doctrine of abrogation, which means that God can change His Word. That goes completely against the uh, doctrine of the preservation of the Word of God in the Bible. In the Bible, God says not only His Word won't change, but... This is a clear indication that he himself does not change. His character doesn't change. His nature, basically, um, does not change. If he says something, that means it's fixed. Because if God changes his mind, we're in trouble. Because there is no way we can guarantee that any of the promises that God is making are actually going to stand. So this is why it's uh, very important for us to look at those things uh, with such a uh, concern, also um, there are certain categories. When it comes to the implication of abrogation, um, there are certain changes uh, that, according to the scholars of Islam, uh, those changes uh, change something from becoming uh, from being forbidden to becoming permitted, and switch things from being permitted to becoming forbidding, and uh, therefore. Uh, it's the question is who is making those decisions? Who can decide whether something is okay or not okay anymore from a spiritual basically standpoint, there is ramifications in here. It does have an impact on legal ruling on social interactions, political basically system and militant uh, intervention and militant also behavior especially jihadis, uh, if you wish. So all of those things uh, are a matter of concern that someone has to uh, take with a grain of salt and try to uh, look at how can we tolerate such a thing? Uh, how can anyone basically um, claim that their book is fixed when we have evidence um, based on these early manuscripts that support uh, the idea that the Quran that we have in our hand today went through a process of modifications and editings. Now, I haven't scratched the surface, by the way. There are so many things that uh, are in the works lately by many scholars, some books that are uh, coming out soon that will show a lot of problems with Quranic manuscripts. Um, uh, we have some issues also related, uh, for instance, um, uh, with the Quran in the fact that the Qur'an was collected by the 3rd Caliph Uthman uh, based on problems with different dialects. He discovered that some of his soldiers are reading the Qur'an in their own dialects and that causes some tension between certain soldiers and others because each uh, tribe of the Arab people in those days had their own dialect and therefore when you read the Qur'an in your own dialect it looks as if you're reading it differently than the way it was uh, revealed and the meaning could change as well. So his reason for that second collection, and uh, many Muslims believe it is the standard one that we have in our hand today. Obviously, that's not the case uh, based on those discoveries that are popping up lately. But nevertheless, he ended up burning all other competing copies and just kept the one that he decided that should be read this way. Uh, question should be asked, who gave him that authority to change the word of Allah and decide which one should be? Uh, the one that ought to be read, and the dialect that ought to be basically um, protected, and the changes also uh, that are resulting from those decisions. By the way, even today, we have multiple uh, readings that are still in existence. For instance, there are Korans in North Africa that has certain words in them that are read differently, then the words that are in the copies of the Qur'an are found, for instance, in Saudi Arabia. Okay? Um, i give you a couple of examples here. For instance, in chapter 2, verse 125 of the Qur'an, one of the reading known as the Hafs reading, it uh, talks about a command here that says, You shall take. Okay? You shall take. Whereas in the Warsh reading, it says they have taken, okay? One is a command that you should take something now. The other one is a report about something that happened in the past. In chapter 3 of the Quran, verse 146, the Huff's reading says, uh, and, and they fought, okay, the word that was used about, um, somebody who is fighting, okay? And in his second reading, Warsh, it says that somebody was killed, were killed. So one is a command to fight. The other one is a report about death. So all of those make a huge difference, by the way, when it comes to things like understanding the doctrine of jihad. Is it talking about something in the past? Or is it talking about a command for today? And if the Muslim community is not willing to agree on which reading is the correct reading, uh, then there is a problem. Because this indicates, of course, that you have to pick and choose now which reading you want to follow. And therefore, there is all kind of things that are on the line here when it comes to that. Um, Let us also make a quick comparison here between that and the biblical manuscripts. For instance, When it comes to the Bible, uh, comparing uh, the number of manuscripts that we have, uh, or the dating of those, for instance, with uh, secular manuscripts, you are going to see a huge, huge difference in terms of when those manuscripts uh, were written close to the event. For instance, if you look at something called the Magdalene Manuscript, Matthew 26, the date that it was written is first century. Earliest copies date between fifty and sixty AD, pretty close to the time of Christ, basically. And uh, the John Rylands, or uh, it's found in Egypt. Um, date it was written ninety AD. The earliest copy of that uh, is about one hundred thirty AD, about forty years basically from the event. The Bodmer uh, Papyrus number two for John also 90 A.D. Uh, earliest copy dates about 150-200 A.D. So it would have been written between 60 and 100 year, 110 years after the events. Uh, something called the Diatessaron by Tatian, which is the Harmony Gospels, written in the first century. Uh earliest copy of that is found in 200 A.D., so it's about 150 years after the time of Christ, and yet you look at it and it contains the same things that we have in our end today. Uh, compare that to some of the secular manuscripts. People are so fascinated by things like Aristotle, for instance, the philosopher. The date that it was written would have been 384 uh, to 322 B.C., uh, so earliest copy is about 1,000... 100 AD, it's about 1,400 years span between the time when Aristotle lived and the date of the earliest copy found. Yet people are really uh, willing to bet their life that Aristotle lived and existed and he wrote these things, and yet they discount the Bible and the impeccable record of the Bible and the overwhelming record of those manuscripts of the Bible. When it comes to the Quran, as I mentioned earlier, there are six only family of manuscripts compared to the many of the Bible. One is called the Topkapi, found in Turkey. Samarkand, found in that uh, region of Russia. The Ma'il, found in the uh, British Museum. The Hosseini, found in uh, basically in Cairo. Then you have the Sana Manuscript, and that's the one that has all the kind of problems we've been talking about, discovered in 1972 in Sana, Yemen. And finally, the Petropolitanus and that's found in Paris. And when we begin to examine the wording of some of those uh, scholars, for instance, many Muslims believe that the Topkapi copy and the Samarkand would have been the two copies that the third Caliph Uthman wrote in the uh, middle of the uh, 7th century, and he uh, disseminated, I should say, Uh, among the various regions, some will say send him to nine different metropolitan areas. Yet, the uh, Turkish scholars who studied this will tell you that uh, we don't have any of the uh, Uthmanic manuscripts, uh, and these copies are not part of the Uthmanic manuscripts. And therefore, Uh, they are only dated at least 100 years after the time of Uthman. So these are the best and the earliest available manuscripts until the discovery of the Sana manuscript that was, uh, would have been so damaging, of course. And uh, that's one of the reasons why uh, we just ask our Muslim friends, um, this is the book that you are basing your salvation on. And it has all kind of problems, all kind of questions. And yet, You are basically willing to bet that it is the same Quran that was revealed by the uh, the time of the Prophet, that it's the same Quran that is preserved in the heavens, that it has no issues whatsoever. At the same time, discounting things like the many variations, uh, the many uh, basically uh, changes that are being done proven by those discoveries, not by assumptions or theories. Um, In fact, earlier manuscripts of the Quran actually do not have diacritical markings or dottings or uh, any of the vowel markings. So left basically uh, to your own readings, any word could have up to 30 plus meanings. How can you live with something that could have been uh, interpreted in a variety of ways by many people, Arab-speaking people, that is? Um, The word could have meant this. Uh, to the people back then, and now it means this, because the changes of the locations of the dottings, or maybe even the meaning of the word that they chose to basically ch- uh, to use. Maybe it wasn't actually revealed that way, and just by mistake they put the dottings in the wrong places. Now the meaning of that basically uh, have changed. And um, many of those analyses that were done by the scholars uh, definitely reveal a lot of damaging things when it comes to the Quran and when it comes to the preservation of the Quran as the supposedly the preserved word of God. So this is really my appeal to all of my Muslim friends that they need to take this matter very seriously. Uh, we are living in an age right now where uh, you can easily, by the way, go and investigate all of these things for yourself. You really don't need me to tell you uh, what's going on and what you ought to find. Go and Google things. Go to these museums. Go and look at the copies. Uh, read uh, what Muslim scholars oftentimes wrote about these things. In fact, go to the commentaries of Islam on the Quran and see how many of them stated that there are things that were used to be read differently and things that are not there anymore. Look at the Qurtubi, Tabari, Ibn Kathir, al razi and the rest of those who invested a lot of time to try to reveal things like this. But think for yourself. Don't let others to tell you what you ought to do. And God has given us a brain to utilize, to find him, and to seek him. He's seeking after you also. Uh, We pray that this year will be a year uh, that you will find the truth and you will uh, follow uh, the Prince of Peace, our Lord Jesus Christ. Until we meet next week, have a blessed week.